Well, I welcome you as we continue in our sermon series called Anchored. We asked a couple questions last week as we started. One of the questions was this, in a world where everything is constantly and rapidly changing, is there anything permanent and solid to which we can anchor, root, connect our lives? We ask another question. In a world where the liberation of the individual's will is the highest good, is there anything to which we can attach our lives that gives us meaning and purpose and hope beyond ourselves? Well, we answer those questions affirmatively, positively. Yes, there is such an anchor for our souls. And we talked about how the scripture refers to God as the rock. He is the one eternal, unchanging, permanent, solid, perfect, personal, faithful, and good foundation for our lives. So over the next uh, few Sundays, we're going to be asking some more questions. How can we know that there is a God and that he is the rock? And how can we know him? How can we know that he is and how can we know him? Well, we can know him because this God, who is the rock, has revealed himself. He's revealed himself in creation. He's revealed himself in his word, the written word, and he's revealed himself in the living word, Jesus Christ, who is the truth. So let's start today with creation all around us in nature. If we're attuned to it, there is a clear echo of the divine. An echo of the divine, what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, God spoke everything into existence. I love these words from Psalm 33. This is out of the New Living Translation. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. God spoke the universe into existence. You try that with something simple, simple, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Let there be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Not going to happen. Now, you can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but you're going to make it with bread and peanut butter and jelly. You're not going to say, let there be, and it is. Who can do that? Who can speak, and it is? Command, and it comes into existence. No one can do that. No one but God. And that's one of the main reasons that we are to fear and revere and honor and worship him is because he can do that. He can speak things into existence. And guess what? They speak back. He spoke everything into existence, and it echoes back. It speaks back truth about him to us. If we're listening, let's read together the words that were already this, uh, read this morning from Psalm 19. Let's all read it out loud together with me. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth, 
and their words to all the world. What is creation proclaiming? What is it telling us about God and his glory? What is its message? Well, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Don DeYoung, who is the president of the Creation Research Society and pastor, a pastor. Well, he's kind of a pastor in a way. He's a professor of science emeritus at Grace College, and he's going to come talk to us because the joy of science is not just understanding creation, it's seeing past that to hearing the echo and seeing what it tells us about God. Well, good morning, folks. Now, this topic uh, is a little unusual, science on Sunday, but why not? Because we're just surrounded by creation details on all sides. We're going to look, uh, take a quick look at eight parts of, uh, of nature to see what they tell us about God. How does the world reveal God's attributes, his character? And so we'll get right into the first one, which is a rainbow. Now, that's a little unusual this time of year, but spring is coming. As we know, a rainbow symbolizes that great promise back in Noah's day of no further worldwide flood. Beyond that promise, there's something very special about the rainbow colors that we enjoy. You know, think about it. Light could have been made with just white or gray, and this would let us see. However, there's much more to light. As a rainbow shows, light is embedded with all the colors. Do you remember the order? All the way from red to violet. And light does not end with what we can see. Above that red band in a rainbow, there are additional bands of light that are invisible to us. Their less known forms of light are called infrared, microwaves, and radar waves. Even cell phone waves are a form of invisible light. Meanwhile, on the other end of the rainbow, below the violet color, are additional light bands. They're called ultraviolet and x-rays and gamma rays. If we could see all of a rainbow, it would fill the whole screen and beyond. We continue to, continue to research all these varieties of light, and uh, they tell us much about uh, the details of nature. Well, the light... The beauty, the variety of light shows that God is an artist, just keeping track of what we can learn from all this. The rainbow colors, they're given for our benefit and enjoyment. Just think of the blue sky or a sunset, a butterfly or a spring flower. Thank you, Lord, for the colors of your creation, your wonderful artwork. God is an artist. We're looking at some components of nature, and next comes the physical laws that operate the universe. These laws include gravity, physics, and chemistry. Now, the examples listed here, kind of complicated, they all involve the behavior of light, the Compton effect. How do you like the Schrodinger equation? If you're taking notes, you don't need this technical part. You can, you can leave it out. However, each of one of these laws and rules is important to our daily life. When God said, let there be light, back on day one of the creation week, all these laws were established and put into place. Now, below this list on the screen is our dependable constant of nature, the speed of light. 
what a speed that is. That motion is 10,000 times faster than our space probes. In fact, light will travel completely around the world seven times in one second. Think about that. If you could travel at light speed, you could be in Fort Wayne or Chicago in a flash. <laughs> now, the point is, these laws, they don't stand by themselves. Think about traffic laws, for example. Our man-made laws require planning and enforcement. It's the same with these physical laws. The rules of nature do not just show up on their own. God put them in place, and he upholds them. This means that God is active everywhere in this world. In fact, this leads to one of the omni-words, meaning all. God is omnipresent, present and active everywhere and every way. There's something else about these uh, laws that God put in nature. They cannot be broken like our man-made laws can. In fact, just try to defy gravity or electricity. No, on second thought, don't even try. Here's another thought to consider. What do you suppose would happen if God turned his back on his creation for just one moment? There would be no one in charge. The laws of nature could collapse if God turned his back on this world. There would be instant chaos. The air we breathe drifted off into space. The earth could tumble into the sun. The atoms themselves could disintegrate. It would be all over. But of course, this does not happen. Colossians 1 verse 17 tells us that it's by Christ that all things consist and hold together. Thank you, God for actively managing all the details of your creation, and thank you for your patience with us down here on Earth. Hey, we're looking at some details of nature. We talked about um, uh, light and uh, the laws. Let me do something else with light. Our next idea concerns light, and it involves sort of a, an embarrassing point. What we have found is that there's something about light that we don't understand very well. Light behaves in mysterious ways. Light has what's called a particle nature. It can move along like a stream of tiny marbles. We call these light particles photons. We can measure them bouncing off each other. On the other hand, light also resembles a water wave. Remember watching the waves at the shoreline? Light waves likewise, likewise can add together into a higher wave, or light can uh, overlap and cancel out and disappear. So what is light? Is it a stream of particles? Is it waves? Is it none, both? We do not know. This is a mystery to us that we call the duality of light. In contrast, God fully understands light. After all, he made it in the first place. In fact, God made everything by his command and therefore he is all knowing. This is another one of our omni words. God is omniscient, knowing all things. So we've looked at our first three lessons already about God and nature. What do you think? Is this bringing back memories of your school days? I hope you had a good experience. Hope you had a good teacher. You know, the fact is, I believe that we have the best reason for enjoying all the details of nature. After all, we know the one who set everything in place in the first place. So we move on. Our fourth insight from nature is going to concern energy. 
How's your energy level this morning? Did you have a good breakfast? Energy helps us get things done. And it comes in many different forms. Food, heat, sound, the wind, the fossil fuels. Maybe you remember the famous formula that we have on the screen, E equals MC squared. The E stands for energy. M stands for matter. And C is the speed of light. Thank you, Albert Einstein, for this formula. It describes how matter, material, is actually a concentrated form of energy. Here, let me illustrate this idea. Um, some of you may be taking notes this morning. You have a pen or a pencil? The, the pencil would represent the material, the M in this formula. There is enough energy in a, every, in a single pen to power your whole neighborhood for a year. All the homes, the electricity, the heating and cooling, the cars, the computers, everything that you would need for a whole community is, is encased in every single pen or pencil. Maybe we should talk to NIPSCO or REMC about this. <laughs> what I'm describing is called nuclear energy. It's an unlimited free source and it's in everything. Now, however, of course, the challenge is releasing this energy. It's very difficult to do, and we're still working on it. It's a good thing that it's difficult. Otherwise, the bad guys of this world would uh, be completely out of control. You know, regarding energy, here's what might have happened during the creation week, that supernatural week. God placed a vast amount of energy into this universe from his infinite supply. He made light, vegetation, matter, nuclear energy. In other words, as we already knew, God is all-powerful, our next uh, idea of, of, of God's characteristic. Another omni-word, God is omnipotent. God is the creator of energy. We move on. Our fifth term, our, our fifth item showing God's character is the sun. Here we are, the third planet out from the sun. Remember how that goes? Placed in just the right position. If we were closer to the sun, we would cook. The planet Venus, 900 degrees. All day, all night, all year, it never changes. 900 degrees if you're closer to the sun. If you move out further from the sun, then it's cold like Mars, a deep freeze far below zero. Now, I know it's cold outside this morning, but it could be a lot worse. Much of outer space has a temperature close to absolute zero. The Earth really is positioned in just the right place for our well-being. So what is it that makes the sun shine? Well, remember the energy locked in every pen or pencil? The sun is turning itself into energy, and heat and light moves off in all directions. You might even say that the sun is on a diet program, losing weight continually. In fact, every second, the sun turns four million tons of itself into energy that streams off. This goes on 24-7. There's no rest for the sun by day or night. Even so, the sun has plenty of fuel for this whole age till the Lord returns. You know what the sun shows us? God's graciousness. He gives us the gift of sunshine to all the people of the earth. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, tells us that the sun rises on both the good and the bad, just as God sheds rain to all. 
God's grace is shown even in the daily sunshine. Here's one more detail about the sun that's kind of interesting. The sun is a very noisy place. There are continual nuclear explosions on a grand scale. If we could hear the sun, we would be deafened. In fact, we might be crushed by the sound pressure. But of course, it doesn't happen. Instead, we are protected by the vacuum of space, which stops the sun's sound from reaching us. Thank you, Lord, for your gracious, pleasant, and quiet morning light. Now, also related to the sun, we have another idea, eclipses. Every so often, the moon moves directly in front of the sun during the daytime. As a result, darkness occurs for several minutes in the middle of the day, a solar eclipse. The stars come out, and this is always very confusing to the birds. They settle down, and then two minutes later, the sun comes out again. Some of you might remember the eclipse that occurred four years ago. Well, another one is coming. The next one will be uh, four years from now, and uh, this uh, map kind of shows the path. This is 2024. This uh, shadow of the moon is going to move right across um, the U.S. Looks like it passes through Indianapolis. Uh, we should plan for this one in four years. This will be the last total eclipse in the Midwest for 80 years. Eclipses are predicted exactly far ahead of time, right down to the very second. They show us that God is consistent. He's dependable and faithful in operating the laws of nature. Well, we're already down to our last couple of uh, items from nature that we're exploring. Let's think about the stars. You knew that we had to reach the stars this morning, so we can do that. So uh, what is a star? You know, they resemble Christmas lights, but as we know, stars are a long ways away, and they're very large. Photos are always a little bit unclear, as this one shows, so let me connect some of the stars with lines. And uh, now we can see it. The bottom of this slide has the Big Dipper, located in our northern sky. Toward the top of the photo is the Little Dipper, also shown as an arrow leading to the North Star. This, that special star called Polaris is positioned directly above the Earth's North Pole. You know, all through history, that North Star has been very useful for finding directions, at least till GPS came along. The Big Dipper stars, they average 100 light years away. A light year is, is like a long yardstick, a length of six trillion miles. So the Big Dipper stars average 600 trillion miles away. You know, the Big Dipper is mentioned in Scripture in Job chapter 9, verse 9, where it's called the bear. Job and David and other Old Testament people gazed upon the same stars that we do. The star patterns that we see are just as God placed them in the sky at creation about 6,000 years ago. Telescopes show us that the Big Dipper has more than we can see. It's not as empty as it appears. The Dipper actually is filled completely with distant stars, countless numbers of them. In other words, the Big Dipper is overflowing with stars. You know, the variety of stars in the heavens is just endless. Some stars are larger than our sun. 
Stars come in colors. There are blue ones and red ones. There are some distant stars that blink off and on. We call them pulsars. I was thinking, what if the sun did that? Off, on, off, on. We would all get a headache. You know, thank you, Lord, for the steady sunlight that we have. And notice, by the way, that stars are not made for fortune-telling or horoscopes or astrology. Instead, space shows God's majesty, the work of his fingers. As Psalm 19 declares, the heavens are telling the word of God. Well, let's come to our final detail of uh, nature, and let's call it deep space. This term describes all the stars and galaxies in the far reaches of the heavens. The photo shows a whirlpool of stars called a galaxy. These vast islands of stars are building blocks which spread across the heavens. Our own galaxy is called the Milky Way, is similar to this picture. Our galaxy has a diameter of 100,000 light years. If you want to take a trip across the galaxy, it'll take you forever. You know, the lower number in this picture at the bottom shows the estimate of the total known stars that we have photographed. It's the number one followed by 22 zeros. In words, this would be 10 billion trillion stars. In fact, if we divided them up, one for you, one for me, every pe everybody around the world, each one of us would have over a trillion stars. But of course, they're not ours. They don't belong to us. It's God's realm. You know, we see no end to space. New telescopes every year reveal new stars, and this number at the bottom of the screen will only increase. It may even approach infinity. Whatever the case, since God made the stars, he's greater than everything we see. It's overwhelming. Deep space shows that God is infinite and eternal. Well, that completes our quick list of looking at the details of uh, nature. We could come up with eight more or 80 more showing God's uh, uh, characteristics. The rainbow colors show that God is an artist. The laws of nature firmly in place remind us that God is present and active. Light is an initial part of creation and it's a mystery to us, but light is not a mystery to its maker. Energy gives life to the earth and finds its source in God. The daily sunshine shows God's kindness to all of us, and eclipses show his faithfulness and his consistency. The stars and galaxies show God's power and glory. And of course, beyond all this, best of all, we have God's word, which completes the whole story, telling about God's love and the plan of redemption. Kip, back to you. Thank you, Dr. DeYoung, and I'll bet he could do 800 or maybe 8,000, actually, examples. You have a website that shows the way um, industry and technology is looking at creation for inspiration as far as design goes. So that'd be something with tons and tons and tons of examples of all that. Um, you could go on and on and on and on, and I could listen to it for a really long time, too. Uh, that would be great. So you think about that, yeah almost an infinite number of examples because God himself is infinite. Well, what are we to do with all that? Um, I, I think that there's a lot of common ground here for us to engage people around us on this whole topic of nature and creation. I uh, think that we kind of need to become 
connoisseurs of creation, if you will. That is, um, to thoughtfully and actively enjoy creation. To be a connoisseur of something is not just to enjoy it, it's also to study it a bit, to, to learn. So, yeah, we, we left, most of us left our um, science classes in high school. I, I did have Dr. Young for one science class in college. But that, we shouldn't stop learning. We shouldn't stop investigating and, and understanding and, and, and because that tells us something about God and to get out and to enjoy creation. You know, I fear that with technology and cell phones and video games and movies that, that we, we look at our television screen and we've forgotten the wonders of God's creation. So, so we, need to, we need to get out there and thoughtfully and actively enjoy creation. And as we go out to thoughtfully and actively and enjoy creation, we'll find other people doing the same thing. It'll be a good place of common ground. And in that, you can look at number three there, that's an opportunity to point out design. And of course, where there's a design, there's a designer. And, to, and, and that's often an opportunity to segue into conversation about that. But let's be thoughtful and active uh, in enjoying God's creation. And then um, not only should we be connoisseurs of creation, I think we need to be good stewards of creation, thoughtfully and actively steward creation. I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes we Protestant evangelical Christians are only known for doubting global warming. Well, whatever you think about that, I wish we would be known for being concerned about creation and conservation and environmentalism and, and recognizing that the mandate God gave us to steward our creation is not done. We, we need to do that. I, I was, uh, went out to eat on Friday night, and for the first time in a long, 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 long time, I got a paper straw. That was a new experience. Wow, I can't remember this since I was a kid, having a paper straw. A paper straw is a good thing. I, ta I talked to someone this week who said that they have now been able to work paper towels out of their existence, okay? They don't use them at home. They've made a conscious decision not to use paper towels, but to use something that's renewable that they can um, use to clean or whatever. And so I think if we would all be a little more intentional to learn and to make choices about uh, the environment... That, that You know what? We would find common ground with a lot of people who maybe are quite different from us, but we share this point of caring about our earth and about creation. Of course, our reason for doing it is because we believe there's a creator, and we want to honor him. We want to glorify him. Uh, we want to complete his commandment for us to be good stewards of it. Later this year, we're going to have a Sunday where we talk more about that, to give a little bit more instruction on how to have a biblical Christian view of being stewards of creation. But uh, in all of it, though, all of it, the response should be worship. Um, yesterday, uh, we had what was called Access Indiana over at the Hub, and there were a bunch of great seminars, and Stacy Gagnon was talking us through the, the um, kind of the formation of the brain um, in a baby, and just how the neurons work, and you know, uh, connections and synapse, and all this kind of science of how the. And I started to cry, and to me, it was a, a moment of worship at the wonder, the wonder 
of, of what God has done and created. And so we need to be connoisseurs of creation, but the response as we thoughtfully and actively learn and understand and enjoy and delight in creation is worship. So we're going to end uh, today with worship. So why don't you stand uh, together with me, and we're going to sing We Bow Down.